we prize and our rights we will maintain. This is Iowa Civil Rights History Podcast, where we tell stories about the contribution Iowans and the state of Iowa has made to advance the civil rights movement. Past stories are being told, present actions will be highlighted, and preparation for the future will be discussed. Here is your host, Eric Nyange. Welcome to the Iowa Civil Rights History Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. The conversation today will be about the life of a young black man in Mason City, Iowa. In the 40s and 50s, I have a special guest today, Mr. Everett Jeffries, born in the mid-30s in Mason City, Iowa. Man, he's here today to tell us his life story. Mr. Jeffries, first I want to thank you for inviting me to your home, and I appreciate the gift of your time for sitting down and talking to me today. Let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? Born in Mason City, Iowa, April 12, 1936. And the siblings? I have six other siblings. Is there any one of your siblings still living? I'm the last one. Okay, I had a, a stepbrother, Carol Donigan, born in 1921. Sister, Leatrice, born in 1924. Lila, sister, born in 1927. Alice, Sister, born in 1929. Lorraine, sister, born in 1931. A twin sister, Evelyn, in 1936. We were twins, and we were born on Easter Sunday. Where, where were your parents from? Okay, my dad was James Thomas Jeffries, born in Culpeper, Virginia, 1879. My dad left Virginia, uh, New Jersey, and at 14, my dad left New Jersey and came to work in the coal mining industry in Colfax, Iowa. He stayed in Colfax, Iowa till 1918. The Iowa coal industry sort of played out. So then he got a job in Mason City, Iowa, working for the Crystal Lake Ice and Fuel Company, delivering coal in the wintertime, ice in the mm. summertime. That's, uh, that, that was him. You know. My dad died in 1951. I was 15 years old. The way they got ice... Clear Lake in the wintertime used to uh, freeze over, and they would cut ice, big ice chunks, and that's then they would take it and store it in the ice house, which was at right behind the old Roosevelt Stadium. Now, Roosevelt Stadium is gone. Right now, I think it's a school there. But that time, I used to be the old Roosevelt football stadium, and uh, the ice house was right behind it. And the last thing I remember about my dad is that one of those chunks of ice fell on him, he, he he recovered, but I don't think he recovered that much. You know, he finally re- he finally quit working at seventy after doing all that backbreaking work. You know, what type of father was your dad? Very quiet. His only uh, was he, he strict guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. right. He was very strict, and he was just uh, very quiet. He smoked yeah. a pipe, and every other Friday when he got paid, he might drink a few more beers at the pastime. Okay. So the pastime was where my dad and Jim Boyce, who was one of the workers there, they used to go get drink their beer after on Friday. Because I don't know if the fire station was the there. Fire, no, the fire. At the, oh, the fire station used to be the uh, Meyer Wolf junkyard. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, right. that's where the, the pastime, and then the right, fire right, station right. there. And then we used to have. Uh, I never. Uh, uh, now your father was born. He said eighteen seventy nine. Seventy nine. Right. Now that's not too far away from. The 1865, the abolition of slaves. Right. Well, my pa- uh, his father was born 18. Uh, 18. Did you? Did your grandfather experience? Uh, my father, my grandfather was a slave. Was a slave. Right. Do you have uh, 
Any memories? No, of no, him? no, no, no. All I have is my father. Okay. Right. Yeah. What What did What did your father say? About he didn't. He didn't talk experience. much. Okay. He didn't talk much. Where was your mom from? My mother was born in Shreveport, Louisiana, 1898. She moved with her mother. My grandmother moved from Shreveport, Louisiana, and married Henry Franklin in El Dorado, Arkansas. They stayed there a while. Mr. Franklin got an offer from a job cleaning the steam engines at the Milwaukee Railroad in Mason City. And that's how my grandmother came to Mason City. So the job basically moved your parents right. to Right, they came Mason there because, uh, what was, I guess it was designated the, the Great Migration or something okay. like that. Okay. Where did you guys reside when you were living in Mason City? Okay, we, uh, we lived at 801 South Jackson, which is still there. How big was the house? Two bedrooms. With uh, nine people in there? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. And so then uh, we had this house. Uh, it was heated by coal. Being my dad dribbled coal, we didn't pay for any coal in the wintertime. Oh, so, wow. A small house there. Yeah. Two bedrooms. Nine uh, people. Nine, you know. I mean, basically one bedroom because the other bedroom was the parents' bedroom. Parents' bedroom. Yeah. But then uh, there's a story because... The second bedroom was for the girls. You know? Oh. So my brother, older brother, had left. He had gone to uh, some World War II. So what they did with me, my mother got a cot. And in the bathroom, there was a room where you know, I had to roll out the cot every night to sleep and roll it back in in the morning. So that's where my, that was my bed. In the bathroom? In the, well, outside of the bathroom. Outside just, of the bathroom. Just, just, so... Yeah, the bathroom was huge, but I... I but pe people still have to walk through you to get right, to the bathroom? Right, yeah, and... I'd always have to get my mother to wake me up. Say it's time to get up because uh, you know everybody else is. There's only one bathroom, so yeah, you know. So. Uh, what school did you go? Okay, in Mason City. I went to Grant School, which is where the Shopko Center is now. Oh, and was that elementary school? Elementary school, and we used to call. I mean, Grant School, the United Nations. Why was Be that? Because at one time had 21 different nationalities. What year was this? This uh, between 1930 and to 19. Was that also the high school? No, there okay. or not? Okay, so oh. then after uh, at grand school, you went from uh, preschool to sixth sixth grade. Sixth grade, and after that, you went to Roosevelt okay. Elementary, which is um, Roosevelt Junior High, which is still out there by the yeah. old baseball field. Yep, now I think it's elementary. It's elementary now. Yeah, but that was the junior high. We went to junior highs, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and then after. Junior high, we went to the high school, which is the old high school, which is on Georgia, right across from the police station. Oh, there, it's did still, not know it's, that. It's still there. It's right across from the police station. I think it's the Iowa Department of whatever, but the building is still there. Still, okay. Right. So that was the high school. That was the high school. Okay. And when I went to the high school, we had, I think at the most time, 11 blacks in the whole high school. Most of us were mid guys. Every time we had a a prom or something, we'd yeah. either have to <laughs> import a date. Oh, really? If we could find one, or <laughs> we would make sure everybody had a date. Because uh, that's what year did you graduate? I graduated nineteen uh, nineteen fifty four. I had told my mother I was going to stay around the summertime and I was going to go play football. Mm -hmm. And my father had died. My mother told me that there's no way that I was going to stay there. So I had to figure out what I was going to do. So that was because your your father died is fifty one. My dad died in 51, he's 72 yeah. years old. I joined the Marine Corps. Right after high school? I graduated on a Sunday. On Monday, I was 
on a train coming to Des Moines to join the Marine Corps. Where did you go after that? Uh, okay, I went to the Marine Corps, uh, 1954. Took basic training in San Diego. I took combat training at Camp Pendleton. I took cold weather training in Pico, Pico Meadows, Nevada, because you couldn't go to Korea unless you had cold weather training. How how is that training go about? Uh, it was you, s- you sit outside in the cold. No, they, <laughs> you, you learn how to you learn how to survive. Okay, you learn how to survive, and so then from uh, Pico Meadows, we took the troop train to Korea. Mm-hmm. Took us 30 days to go to Korea. We stayed in Korea. We moved our unit to Japan, Okinawa. Ended up in uh, Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii, with the, uh, the air wing, Marine Air Wing. I stayed in Hawaii for two years. Came back in 1956. Came a uh, MP in Barstow, California, at the Marine Corps Supply Depot. I discharged. I put on uh, ready reserve, and from there I rode at Los Angeles City College. Played football for Los Angeles City College from 1957 to 1950. What did you study at the college? Uh, What did you go for? Public administration. Okay. Yeah, I have a bachelor's in public administration from actually from Upper Iowa. We got a good education Mm. because at the time there was no way they could have two different schools in a small town. So we we got the same. uh, Oh, you mean a black and white school? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Because they couldn't do it, so we were put in the same, you know, the same same school. school. So there was no segregated. No, no, we were right there, you know, and so you could do good or you didn't have to. Because Brown versus Board Education did not come out. No, no, nineteen fifty four. Nineteen fifty four, you already graduated. But but, uh, Iowa has always been that you you know integrated. Right, right to the school, you know, and you know some of my teachers were okay, and some of them weren't. But uh, education uh, was always stressed because I know my dad used to have to work for roofing and stuff like that on the weekends. And he said, you like this work? Are I helping him up on this roof? I said, no, you go to school. He said, you know, you'd be like me up here in the hot sun, you know, yeah. washing windows and roofing and all that. In your life in Mason City, what was the best thing as a young man living in Mason City? Uh, the best thing, I always thought that uh, being, living in Mason City, there, was, there had to be much more than what was available to to me as a black man, because most of the jobs were either labor or I called custodial jobs. The only professional that I knew was a Dr. Edward Martin, who was a podiatrist in Mason City. City. Right. Uh, there were a lot. Uh, some of the women had degrees to be teachers, but at that time uh, they didn't have any black teachers. I'm glad my mother did me a favor by telling me to leave, kicking you out of the town. <laughs> I had to leave. <laughs> and, so how how often after 1954 when you left, how often did you go back? I used to go to Mason City on a regular basis because my mother was still in Mason City. I went to every high school class reunion they ever met. Since, oh, really? Yeah. I have, well, I'll take that. I missed one since 1954, and that was last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was the 65th. I, the last one I went to was the 60th high school class reunion. What, what you, what you guys were doing every year? Every 10, 15 years. I think oh. I went to every one they had except that one last year I missed. Okay. How many of your class I, uh, did you graduate? We had 326 in our class. At this point, half the class is deceased. So I used to get to Mason City as much as possible. So the last time was a couple of years ago to uh, be in Mason City? Or when, when 2014. 2014? Right. Do you want to go back? Uh, yes. Just look, look at the town? Yes, I want to go back. Because I'm here. I can, t- I can take you anytime you want to. <laughs> I wanted to see on the corner of Jackson and 6th Street, there's a, a little bar there or a little shop there. Arlene Kuroff owns that. And so and where she is now used to be called 
the Atlas Meat Market, which was owned by the Marketeers. And then on Jackson, you had the Chicago Meat Market owned by Tony Zimanek. And on 6th Street, there's a Pioneer uh, dog, a show for doing dogs. Uh, that was owned by the Papa John family. So it's still there. Yes. Pioneer, it's right there on the corner, right across. So in all these years, how, how much you think Mason City changed? Uh, it hasn't changed. It's about the same. The population hasn't changed because the South Bridge Mall mm-hmm. is, that was built in 1985. That's the one downtown. Oh, but, yeah, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. but when I grew up, there was no mall. No, oh, really? Because right there where the parking lot is of the South Bridge Mall, it used to be a barber shop right by the river. That was a job I held from ninth grade to 12th grade for $5 a week cleaning the barbershop. And another thing, uh, with the park-in, we had a class reunion at the park-in, which has been refurbished. That's where you guys usually have it? Uh, no. We, okay. had, we had it one time, the last okay. time. And then across in the park there, that where the I think the transit uh, transit station is, that used to be public restrooms. And downstairs, on one side was the men's, on the other side was the women. I used to shine shoes in the men's side. And I would go over to the park inn, play pinball machine. How long was your mom in Mason City? My mom came to Mason City in 1918 or 19, and she died in 1980 in Des Moines. In Des Moines. Oh, she, she, she ended up moved out. Well, yeah, she had a stroke. She had a stroke. Okay. She had a stroke. She had a stroke in Mason City. So okay. we, we moved her uh, from Mason City to Des Moines. So at, at that time, growing up, uh, in the 30s, the 40s, and a little bit the 50s, how many black families were living in Mason City besides you guys? I figure about 20 to 25 black families total in Mason City, uh, starting in 1920 up to about 1950. Uh, how was it in terms, I guess, in, in the race relation back then for you guys? I always figured, you know, Mason City. right, in Mason City, uh, the, you, you, we were talking. My parents all told me that certain places you could go, but you'd be embarrassed and just don't go there, you know. But I, I did have uh, several instances of racism, you know, because I remember he called me the famous N-word, and I told my dad, and he told me to go back and tell him he was a white N-word. And he started crying because he told his dad I'd called him that. Well, how, how old were you at this time? I was just coming up, you know. Uh, every now and then we'd get, we'd get called that, yeah. you know. Sometimes uh, playing sports. Parents prepared us for that, you know. So what what, what exactly? Because, I mean, I have a 16-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if I prepared her that well for that. How did your parents prepare you uh, okay, for the uh, racism? They said, well, I, you know, you're, you're, you're black, so just be careful because everybody that smiles at you is not, you know. So they told us certain certain places to go, yeah. certain places not to go. Like what places we couldn't you could not go in Mason City uh, at that time? Uh, let's see, the Soda Grill and then the Green. I forget the name. You could go there, but you might be embarrassed. People that owned it didn't weren't in, weren't prejudiced, but they wanted the business because their customers didn't want. Them. But I remember one time me and my friend Richard Miller. And I, he says, let's go. And I said, I'm not supposed to go in there. He says, oh, yeah, you're going in there. So we went in there, and uh, it was okay, you know. But uh, it, it was what I call racism was below the surface, you know. Okay. But you always knew, you know, certain things. Because I remember one time we were walking, and we were called out of our name. But it was, out, it was in the same neighborhood we were. The young man that lived there came out and told us that his cousin had came from 
down south, and he just didn't know that. And so don't don't jump on him or not. Because he called us that. We kept walking, and he said, oh, no, we're going to go back and get him. But he said, no, let, let him know. We're going to talk to him. That was right in your neighborhood? Right. Same, same neighborhood. But, was uh, this the first time in your neighborhood? You, you, no, you that's that? not, no, that's okay. not, not the first time. You know, Mason, Mason, Mason City at the time, you know, at the time for me, it was you know, okay. You know, yeah. now my sister Alice thought it was, wasn't that great. Okay. But how, being, how, how, is well, that your I, twin sister? No. Oh, the, no that's the older? The, the one that just passed last year. She's 90, 90 years old last year. Uh, she didn't, she didn't like Mason City. Uh, I had, I had a different upbreaking there because yeah. being in high school and being an athlete and all that, uh-huh. uh, some of them, you know, some of them, like my, one of my best friends, we're still friends. He lives in Escondido. At the time, you know, and so then I, I remember him telling me that once you, when you leave here, you're going to find out things are a, different. A lot of more racism. Yeah, yeah that's what, what he told is. me. Because yeah. it's not like here because, and so he told me, uh, you know, you'll find out. You lived in Virginia for a while. Well, I've lived everywhere. Okay. <laughs> I, I, and I, so did, can you prove that what he told you was true? Uh, After you left. Yeah, yeah right. Because I remember, okay, I left, I, I joined the Marine Corps, and I was the only black that left on that left here that that for the Marine Corps that time what is your thought because I mean you live through it all what is your thought about race relationship today is uh, it is it, are we getting better are we getting no worse? I think we're going backwards we're going back right because uh it looks like everything is being rescinded or you know everything's being worked on because okay do you think we're focusing a lot on a race I I I think we should. I, th- we should. I don't think we are, but I think we should be. Okay. Yeah, but I think certain things, you know, since the uh, pandemic come on, that, that's taken you know more uh, interest. But uh, it just it just it just seems sort of sad to me that because I can remember working in 1963 when uh, we had the TV on and Martin Luther King was giving his "I Dream" speech. Yeah, I can remember that. How do you compare what are we going on right now versus the 60s? I think there's more of a need for it to become more aggressive, you know. Right now? Right now. Than because, it was in the 60s. Right. Because the 60s, you know, you had, it seemed like you had more support. And now you got a lot of support, but it seemed like we're at, we're at a standstill, I believe. Now, back in the 40s and 50s, did you guys ever talk or thought about having black president? Was that a ever part of you guys' mind? I told, I told my sister, who was deceived. That will never happen. <laughs> so you guys did not see. I, I didn't think it was going to happen in your lifetime. In my lifetime, how did you feel when Obama got elected in '08? I, I was, I was, enjoy, I was happy, you know. But, but you did, you didn't see that coming because I think a lot of people, right? Because your uh, age, so yeah, they, because so at my age, you know, because I, I, like I said, uh, yeah. that would never happen because that's the way I always thought. You know, yeah. it didn't happen. How old were you back in the Dr. Oh, King assassination? Malcolm X assassination. Back in the 60s. 30, yeah. That's t- uh, 24, 25, 25. What yeah. do you remember the most of the civil rights movement in the 60s? Uh, well, I can remember living in L.A. at the time of the Watts riots, and I can remember uh, going to work. I had to go through a roadblock to go to work because it had. Uh, they were tearing down, you know, they're burning up L.A. Because uh, my brother lived on Harvard, and I used to stay with him. And we sit out there, and then we'd see the National Guard and everything. And that every time I'd go, I'd go through the roadblock, and the guy says, "Come get your, you know, okay, go ahead to work." Because I had yeah. to go through, you know. Uh, Doctor King was born in 1929. Mm-hmm. Malcolm X was born in 1925. 
as we're looking at these guys right now, them as giant civil rights right, leaders right. of that time. Dr. King will be 91 today. It will be like six years your senior. Did you guys look at them as the giant uh, as yeah. we're looking at them now? I had a little different play. Uh, Dr. King was fine, but I, I, I was more uh, into Malcolm X. Malcolm X. Right. Okay. But, you know, because... They didn't see eye to eye. No, no, they were, they were definitely... Mm-hmm. They, they met, but... I just like, uh, he was more forceful and he probably could get more done. Whereas uh, Dr. King basically was you know, cheek, turn the other cheek and get slapped, mm-hmm. you know. So And Dr. King and, was a preacher, so, you know. So who was your hero growing up as a kid? As a kid? Beside your, beside your old man? Joe Lewis. And, yeah, but then the one, who was the, uh, I can't even think, the one that was a sprinter in the 1936 Olympics? Jesse Owens. But I'm going to tell you a story in Mason City. Jesse Owens came to Mason City and ran against a horse. Horse, horse? <laughs> a horse. A horse. A real animal. <laughs> and so, I thought maybe it was, there no, was a guy no, named and, Horse. No, and so, and so uh, <laughs> the guys, they come, you know. This is who, the, the, the question is, who won? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you see the future of uh, Iowa? I. Uh, uh, Iowa right now is at a... Uh, oh, Mason City in general. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. at a, it's at a uh, point where it can go either two ways. Mm-hmm. I see where they're trying to do more diversity programs and everything, yeah. which I hope they can do, you know, because, uh, like I want to say, you're not, we're not going nowhere, you know. So, you know, and mm-hmm. and then I know the history, you know, uh, like I said, they're trying to rewrite history. Yeah. Let's tell it like it is. And so... What do you mean by that? Let's tell it like it is. Well, you know, uh, when I was growing up, we were never, black history was never taught in school. What was taught was, was derogatory anyway. Schools I went to, grade school and all that. But, you know, just, you know, like slavery, just tell like, you know. Do you, do you think the history, the way you get taught today at school is kind of get watered down a little bit? I don't think they tell it exactly like, okay. like it should be. You know, just, yeah. just tell it exactly like it happened and then. And then deal with it, you know. Yeah. Don't don't try to whitewash it or revise it or something. It, you know, yeah. To make it less painful. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and then try to have conversations with people. You know. They're hard. It's hard. You know, they don't feel yeah. guilty. You know, it's part of growing up, you know. Yeah. I, it's good because that's, that's the good segue to my next question. What's the best way to overcome our differences, you think? Uh, be able to have conversation with each other. Honest conversation. Yeah. Because I know when I was living in Virginia, I used to, uh, me and my wife used to go to the, uh, on Black History Month, they used to have a meeting of, Guys, Confederates, blacks, and we go there. You know, it was, it was, you know, go there. It was at the at the newspaper, and we yeah. have interaction. And they try to tell me their point of view, and I tell them, you know. And so there, and so, at least an honest conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, the way they felt, you know, and everything. But uh, well, that's what's got to happen because if you don't do that, you're going to be at the same thing we're at now. We're at next. Like, yeah, everybody's, you know, uh, you know. If if you have to teach for one month. A black history. What would you teach to understand what's what's black history is all about? I would start them at the beginning. Okay, sixteen, nineteen. Right, how they were brought here, and then okay. actually how it was on those plantations, and t- you know, just be honest with it, and then deal with that. Yeah, don't water it down. Just tell yeah. it like it is, and be honest. You know, and, yeah. and uh, don't feel guilty because it wasn't you. Mm-hmm. Even if it was your, you know, your your. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. So, and until you have an honest conversation about it, you're yeah. going to have the same situation. Because you are third generation away 
Uh, well, yeah, my grandfather. My grandfather yeah. was eighteen fifty-seven. My dad is eighteen seventy-nine. So that's the way I feel about it. And the, and I, you know, like my my, you know, my dad worked like a dog, man. The, mm-hmm. the, the backbreaking work, you know. And that's what probably took him out. You know, seventy-two. Here I'm eighty-four, and at seventy-two, he was wore out. What do you want people to know about the life you lived back in the forties and fifties in Mason City? It was a stepping stone, and it made it. At the time, I thought it wasn't nothing, but now that I look back, it was a good upbreaking, you know, because uh, growing up in that neighborhood was yeah. beneficial because of the interaction with different people. Like yeah. I said, we should the United the Nations. United Nations. Yeah. And so it wasn't more racism, but it was more neighborhood. Yeah. We should protect our neighborhood. Uh, like I said, growing up there at the time, I thought it was pure hell, but now that you're looking well, back, right? Because all the neighbors, you know, we, you know, yeah, eating different people's food. Like I used mm-hmm. to, oh man, Armenian yeah. and Greek food. And now that I'm as my age, I wasn't that bad, you know. Right. Now, 1936, uh-huh. the Great Depression was not completely out at that time because uh-huh. it started what 1929, right? So you were born right at that time, right? About 36, right? 36 when, right? What did your parents tell you about the Great Depression? They didn't, uh, they didn't tell too much about it because we raised our, you know, uh, we, had, we had our own food because the basement at that time was like a supermarket because my mother used to can and we had food for days. And then the church, you'd always trade, you know. And then my dad, uh, he'd go in with somebody and they would kill a cow <clears throat> And split it, you know. And then uh, even at that meat uh, Atlas meat market, they used to slaughter cows, and, yeah. they, and they would let everybody in the neighbor know we got fresh meat. You know, you go down there. So my mother made her own bread. We never bought any bread. She made homemade bread. That's so, good. How do you want to be remembered? I just want to remember that you know, I had I had my ups and downs, but uh, everything turned out all right. I just want to be treated like like I treat people because I you know I have no I, I don't. If I meet you and, and I just want to be treated right, you know, and and I treat people every, all the same. Like I say, if I speak and you don't want to speak, fine. That's just how I was raised, you know. You know, that's it. Uh, okay. You know. Last question for you. Okay. But you lived through the 60s. Right. If you look 80 years down the road, you are 84 right now. Right. If you look 84 years down the road, what do you see in this country? Well, in all honesty, the way things are going now is, is, is two ways we can go. We can progress and become what was said in the Constitution, or we can go backward and go back to uh, what they what was the way when I was growing up. Mm. And I hope that let's, let's hope that's not the case. I hope it's not the case. I hope yeah. that they're going forward, and then people will come to their senses, stop all this uh, stuff about one being better than the other. Mm. We're all you know, we're all human beings. And we all have a right to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, everybody, yeah. everybody's the same, you know, and, yeah. and and so nobody's better than that. That's what I was always taught. Man, that's a good stopping point right there, Mr. Jeffries. Thank you for the conversation. Well, that's all we have. Thank you for listening to Iowa Civil Rights History Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Eric Nganyange. Until next time, one love. <laughs>